With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Three, two, one. What's up? Welcome to Spoko Radio's The Last Dance Instant Reaction Pod. You got our normal cast of characters here. I'm your host, DC. With me is Jer. Jer, to break out your song. Nope, I'm not singing this week. Ooh, no song from Jer. I'm doing the moment of silence for the bean. All right, we got the people's champ, David Johnson. Champ, how are you? I am wonderful. Excited to discuss these action-packed. A lot of topic, two episodes tonight. Let's turn the energy up, champ. And also with us, it's our buddy ZZ. How's it going? Going great. Great episodes. Excited to talk about it, boys. We had so much thrown at us in two hours. I figured what better way to go through it all than chronologically how they did it in these past two hours. So we'll start at the very top with Kobe being Bryant, as Jared alluded to, a moment of silence for Kobe. But then how start off with this for you, Jer. How weird was it seeing Kobe being interviewed basically six months, even sooner than that, right before he, he died in a helicopter crash? Yeah, I, I I almost would like them to on ESPN plus put out the, the full Kobe tapes on this. Cause I would I'd be I would love to watch like the insights that Kobe has. Kobe, if you've watched, you know, the Muse documentaries or Kobe doing work. He's very insightful about the game of basketball. So having him talk about Jordan being his older brother is something that I would pay. I'd pay for the subscription right now just to be able to watch Kobe talking about Michael. But I was kind of curious, did they retroactively go in and add this little Kobe 10 minutes after? Or was this always planned? Because it just felt like it was out of place for the grand scheme of all of this. Like I know the All-Star game, like Michael won uh, the MVP of that game and they wanted to put that in there. But it just felt like they added the Kobe thing posthumous to me. I don't know how you guys felt about it. I think they could have, but I think the Not one humorous. thing when what is the word? No, I mean that's right. I don't I think, think that... it, I don't think it's a there's a R. I don't think it's humorous. I think it's posthumous. I feel like hum- Michael Scott hum- right now. <laughs> but the way so when they start with Kobe, you I immediately go into starting watching that whole first hour of comparing the 90s to present-day NBA, and how there was many similarities there. And it was, like, it was just kind of maybe unintentional because I think, Jerry, I think you're more right than I am, is they threw that in there because they had the Kobe interview, they had all that stuff, and it fit, and it was appropriate to do. But from everything from 
the Olympic teams, how they built, how all of you, everyone on the dream, dream team said the practices are their favorite thing to the guys nowadays saying the practices for the Olympics are the best to being a political activist. We saw, we'll get into it a little bit later. The ticket requests, just all that stuff fully blends. It was a kind of a complete circle from Kobe coming into the league to the end of the Jordan era being just madhouse of, of the NBA just going crazy and kind of how everything in the middle there set all that stuff up. But, and I think you said Kobe is so good at basketball. Z, he, he had a quote that you wanted to throw at us that really stuck out to you about Kobe kind of talking about MJ. Yeah, one of the quotes in here Kobe says is, what you get from me is from him. I don't get five championships here without him. And I think from now on, every when you think of Kobe, you think of MJ, and I think it's going to work vice versa too. When you think of MJ, you're going to think of Kobe. And I think that's a strong testament. I really enjoyed that. But what, what's what's really cool, really struck stuck to me in that little section, and I agree with you, Jared. I think they kind of tried to shoehorn that in after Kobe unfortunately passed away. But what I really liked about that is you hear Kobe talk about MJ all the time. He was my pro. I was like I mirrored my game after him. Everything I am is from him. But you don't get to see MJ that often talk about Kobe. So that a little behind the scenes in the locker room when they when MJ was talking about a 19-year-old Kobe, that is stuff that I signed up for in this documentary. They could have 40 hours of those conversations. That's what I'm really looking for. And I hope as we keep going, we get more and more of that kind of behind-the-scenes type stuff, especially when they're talking about other players. Yeah, I enjoyed that. They made like that little kind of, not light of the fact that Kobe was no longer here, but them showing that clip of MJ talking about how Kobe... Is if he missed five shots, he would never get the ball again. Like I wouldn't pass that fucker the ball if he missed all those shots. That was a great, like, lighthearted moment that I really enjoyed in the locker room, like you were talking about, Z. That was that was great. Yeah. I mean, I think we all would love just if they wanted to make a whole nother documentary of just like locker room bullshit with these guys talking about it. I think everyone that is a basketball fan, even like the people that are watching this documentary that aren't necessarily the biggest, even sports fans, I think they would love this kind of, that kind of stuff of just locker room banter between the guys, or even making jokes with the media and or you the know security guard playing quarters with yeah, the, the, the quarters yeah. game with the security guards. I mean that all that stuff was great. Or when MJ in the second episode is telling Scotty to like move it along so they can get to their tea time, like trying to get away from all the reporter. I mean that. That kind of stuff is awesome, and it's, I mean, like Z said, I would watch however many hours you want to put of that. I think anyone would love to watch that. Those are the pieces that make me the happiest of the six hours we've watched. It's those little things that, like, I didn't know about or I don't have an insight to previously that make me the most happy. That's when I sit up in my chair. I, like, I notice myself, my body language gets better because – like I, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, like, this is this is not the watch I continued to think that it was going to be. It's good, but it's just not what I expected. And I wish that the the format was different. There's a lot of things that I question, but those moments make it worth the while for me. I'm there I, now that you mentioned that. We can talk. We can jump in at that point because I'm there with you, Jer. This isn't what I thought we were getting when this was teased. What a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I kind of t- I text you guys about it. Like we haven't, we didn't this past two hours. We didn't see anything in the '98 season. We all of a sudden just ended up right into the, we into the playoffs. 
we just skipped January yeah. through May. Yeah, the only the only thing they showed of the '98 season was the day the game where he was in Madison Square Garden wearing the old you know retro Jordans, <laughs> which I mean the guy is literally bleeding through his socks because he just wanted to stick it to Spike Lee one last time by wearing those. That I mean, yeah, but that's literally that and the All Star Game are the only two things we saw from uh, the '98 season. I don't. That the ending where they just skipped to the playoffs, I didn't particularly enjoy that. Like I feel like we could have had some more content of the last couple months, especially because Scotty comes back and they didn't really show any games of Scotty and MJ playing together at the end of that season. I think this. Go ahead, Jay. I think the director is trying to battle this, like trying to tell the entire story and give like a story about the '98 Bulls and about Michael Jordan that my wife understands and can follow but also giving little tidbits that I'm there for. And I kind of wish they would just veer towards the hardcore NBA fan. So like one of my favorite parts there at that Knicks game, MJ goes for like 50 plus in the Jordan ones. And then Patrick Ewing, after getting his ass kicked, comes into the locker room and says, Hey, you know, good job, MJ. And then MJ just roasts him in front in the Bulls locker room after the Knicks game. Like poor Patrick Ewing. That's like, that's what I signed up for. I want more of that (laughs) stuff and less like overall big picture type stuff you know i want to go like a little bit deeper and we really haven't seen that like you guys are saying in the 98 well for this for this being called the last dance and supposed to be chronicling the 98 season there's no tension there's no build-up you don't get to see any of the drama that's going into why this was the last dance what did i say in episode one there's it's almost as if this the footage they have from this 98 season isn't that great because we spent the majority of the time in all the other seasons but with they clips start, that they already had. But they start every freaking episode of this now with, in 1998, a film crew was, was allowed unprecedented access to the Chicago Bulls during their during the last season. Well, where is all this footage? It's just MJ in the locker you room should, playing. Oh, you should apologize yeah, yeah. to me. <laughs> Sorry, Jer. I said there's still four more episodes where we can get. You said the this in episode two. two. There's still eight more episodes. We can so, get an entire – every game of the playoffs should be chronicled. I said that last week and that I think that's what's going to happen. And it, if it's not, I'm going to be disappointed. I mean, game one against the Nets, I want to see the, in the locker room. I want to see the post-game shit. I want to see the in-game stuff. If that so stuff doesn't happen, go then through. I'm going to be a little And backpacks, man. Like, there's a lot of stuff that they have to do still because of how they set up this documentary. My wife and I were talking just before I came up here to record with you guys, and we both almost wish they would have just started from the beginning and got to the end. I yeah, agree. They could have just called it the it, Dynasty. Something – I'm going to read I'm gonna read this tweet verbatim because I think it sums up how Jared thinks. This is from Mark Titus called Trillion. Right? I love every second of this thing, but it's a little weird how an in-depth behind-the-scenes look at the final season of the Bulls' Dynasty – has turned into Michael Jordan's Wikipedia page with some accompanying footage and commentary. Thank you. That's exactly and how he, I feel. It's pretty spot on because it kind of is. It's like, here's the story of MJ, and we're going to throw in a few little things. Champ, it doesn't mean we don't think it's great. This is I enjoy these two hours. It. They're an enjoyable two hours. It's just not what everybody – like that trailer that we saw a year and a half ago, this is not that trailer. Do you think that the director, Jason, Jason Hare, was like, I, I got the last dance, and then MJ's team's like, no, we're going we're gonna to cut that down. Because MJ's no, getting final no, approval. Because oh. I don't think MJ would have gone, if he had the choice, he wouldn't have gone as deep into gambling as he did in, one of these, in the second episode tonight. 
and they would not have put any of that stuff with the political about the North Carolina. They, none of that would have been in it if MJ had final say. So oh, I may think have had some say. I think they swept that under the rug. I thought they glossed over the game. I agree with Z. I still don't I think, think they, they went enough. Do, really, do we really need to hear about that? Like, that was the worst part of the whole two hours tonight for yeah, me. Yeah, it was like, the worst because MJ was like, hey, this is all you can say. And yeah, but if, we, I don't need. I don't want to hear about it. We this isn't a political fucking. But if it was uh, that event. important, like that guy said, it was in North Carolina and for the African American people as a whole, then you needed to go into that. But I counter like to, counter to that with Champ, what, what Champ's going at is if MJ's not, it's not him choosing not to talk about it. But even back when it happened, he didn't say much about it because he just doesn't view himself as an activist. So there's not much. So because the, the director producers want to go into it, they're going to go into it. He'll answer the questions. But it doesn't mean he has to give like go even deeper than what he did back then because he doesn't he doesn't believe it. The way they ended this episode with that old cut of Michael saying, if I could go back, I wouldn't have been a role model at all, I think is the perfect way to like go into what you just said, DC. Because Michael, obviously, like after all of these up through 93 at that point with all this shit that's going on and how hurt he basically got because these people started wanting to turn on him and find the bad and all of his good and this perfect like clean type of personality that he developed from the early ages when he first signed with nike thanks to his mom like that is the michael jordan that like we are now saying like he does not want to talk to media he doesn't trust anybody it's i'm going to do this by myself and that's it yeah, he's all Michael Jordan ever wanted to be and I ever wanted to be viewed as is a great competitor, and that's exactly what he was. He, Yes, he turned into a role model because every kid in the 90s wanted to be Michael Jordan because why wouldn't you be? He was absolutely amazing. The Jordan brand was a thing of its own. I mean, but all MJ cared about was winning, and it didn't matter if it was on a basketball court, on the golf course, playing cards, and he wanted to win at everything, and that's, he has an addictive, you know, personality and he wanted to win and he's an ultra competitor and that's fine. I don't need to see his fucking takes on, you know, the North Carolina 1990 election. Like nobody cares about that. I, yes, I, people probably did back then, but I don't need to see that in this documentary. They could have glossed over that entire thing and none of us would have been the wiser because we would have never even known about it anyway. Here's why people want it, probably do care about that. Because of the activists and activism that these athletes now take, like the LeBron James and what they did with the the hoodies, and it just I think now people take so much more like that part of their their being and who they are and their brand. And Jordan swept that under the rug. He well, that's fine. Guys can do that now because there's a, an, a completely different age of social media and everything that wasn't going on back then. I mean, Michael Jordan was using a car phone. And his car driving to the stadium. I but mean, one that, could argue it was worse back then, and he should have taken a step as the guy. One okay. can argue, but I'm not going to be that one to argue. You are arguing I it. I, 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 I think I don't every... think it matters. I think he's a. The, this documentary is about showing the Bulls and their dominance during that time, and specifically Michael Jordan. I don't need to know about his but, political views. So I can't the, poli- Go ahead, the political take. the political section shows just another view, another way of showing how everybody wanted a piece of Michael Jordan. Everybody. It was Nike, so it's endorsers, the Bulls, and now this random senator in North Carolina. He, what, what does he know about that senator, honestly? He's in, he lives in and Illinois. He's not, he, it's, He's, like, it's exactly what he said. Yeah, he said, I'm not going to talk out of pocket yeah. about a, someone that he didn't know. 
but, but you know what else got, that before. But, but you also know what got swept under the rug is the fact that he still donated that donated to this campaign. Exactly. I mean, that shows which, the type of which person Jordan is. throwing his money around was a huge topic the last hour of this of how much he was gambling. Let's talk about the money he was giving away to donating to a guy's campaign he didn't even know. Yeah, and also let's talk about another thing that was glossed over when everybody was talking about all this media stuff that MJ had to do was the time he took out after each game or before each game to speak with kids, to speak with sick kids, to sign all those autographs. None of that was talked about. It was all the fucking media bashing them. Let, you want to talk about losers of this episode? It's the goddamn media that they just destroyed MJ every chance they got. It was I was so furious watching it. I was yelling at the TV because of these idiots like Sam Smith that are ripping them, writing books about how you know everybody on the team hates them. So ridiculous. I mean, you can't... MJ is the greatest athlete of all time, and you got to take every chance you get to try to rip him down. It pissed me off. But I think go, I, go ahead. Jake. I think some of this is just like you saw those pictures. They they do like the zoom out view, and there's MJ in the middle, and there's 30 reporters around them. They all got the same quotes. I think some of this is like I got to write a counter story. Like I have to have a take in order for to sell books or in order to yeah, it's clickbait. I mean, guys, so, still do yeah. That so now. it's like that's a good way of calling like the original clickbait, like. Oh, Jordan didn't endorse this random senator from North Carolina. This is how I'm going to get people to read my newspaper. Like yes. everybody was writing the great story about Jordan. I'm going to write the anti-Jordan story. And so now we're digging in, like digging deep into stuff. It goes back to what you said, Z. Everybody wants a piece of Jordan. And that was their way of financially gaining off of Jordan. I mean, look at what Sam Smith, that book was, what did they say? It got to like number five on the most read book list of, you know, that year. New York so, Times bestsellers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, I'm sure he, I'm sure he made plenty the of money the books. on that. Like <laughs> subtly in the, if you notice in the Sam Smith interviews, he's wearing like a vest. It's got like lint all over it. They're really Seems just a weird guy. Just, just discrediting him. They didn't like lint roll his uh, sweater vest he was wearing yeah. before. The way he decided to be interviewed is also weird. He's just like hunched over. He's on and, like, side. Oh. Yeah, it's fucking weird. <laughs> let's let's get into the Jordan Rules book real quick because that was part of. There was little things you text us in the middle of this because the this common theme or the common conception of what this book was was Horace Grant telling Sam Smith all of these juicy details about how Jordan treated his teammates behind the scenes and you texted us, do we think Horace Grant was the one that actually spilled the guts? I said, I think Horace Grant told Sam Smith who to go to. And I think my belief in that is the fact that Sam Smith is now a writer for the Chicago Bulls website. So he's basically being paid by Jerry Reinsdorf today. So he had to have gotten a source and gotten some way in with Jerry Reinsdorf and not necessarily from Horace Grant himself. I think, I think Horace spilled the beans. Half of it was reading the book, and Horace comes off pretty positive in there. Um, I think there was a lot of – he was like the original Scotty where he felt like he was disrespected. And he also was like – Horace and that time, and, the, and he really haven't dove deep into this, but like he was in the Rodman role. So he's the third banana. He was like a defense and rebounding. But if you look at Horace's stats like in college, like he was a scorer. And he had to take like a lesser role, and I think that really hurt his – not hurt his feelings, but he didn't love that. Also, the other the other reason I think Horace uh, spilled the beans is because when they shifted to that in the interview, my wife said, "Yeah, he spilled the beans. He's definitely lying." I mean, so, you could tell got, he was lying when he was. She could see it. You could see it all over his face. He definitely was the guy who spilled the beans. Also, I think Jerry Krause spilled some beans 
only because he ear or whatever leafed every single page that he was talking bad about. Probably because he was pissed because Sam Smith didn't give him the heads up after he spilled all the beans about all the other bullshit. How would you feel if you were Phil Jackson in that meeting room with Jerry Krause as he was reading, what did he say, <laughs> 29 different quotes from him in the book? Phil Jackson probably wanted to blow his fucking head off after listening I don't think Jerry, Jerry Krause is a good reader either, so it probably took some time. Well, he probably had to have a snack in between, like, takes, you know, seventh right. and eighth quotes. I mean, so we're, we're at takes. We're talking about takes and hot takes, and this would be mine if I was writing it right now. Michael Jordan wouldn't be half the player he is without Jerry Krause. And I sent that to you guys in the text earlier because every single time Jordan needs some sort of motivation in this documentary, they go to Jerry Krause and something his, he said or some sort of slight, and he uses that as motivation. I mean, I he, feel like he somehow turned Dan Marley, Jerry Krause probably went mentioning once or twice in the past that he thought <laughs> Dan Marley was a good defender into being like, oh, I got to, we have to win the championship because I got to take it to Dan Marley and show Jerry Krause that he's not a great defender. I don't know about you guys. When Dan Marley's name comes to mind, I think of like, you know, great spot up shooter, but defender is never something that I ever, ever thought about Dan Marley. You know what's weird about that quote too, Champ, is I don't really see Michael and Jerry sitting down to talk about players. So how the fuck did Michael learn that Jerry Krausing's defense? He defend? probably literally, it was probably Sam Smith probably wrote an article <laughs> for the Tribune and a little tidbit was in there. Hey, yeah, Jerry Krause is, you know, touted Dan Marley's defensive abilities in years past, and then boom, Jordan takes it and I, lights him up for fucking 50 in game one. <laughs> it's it's true. It's true that like he really took anything, anything that, uh, Jerry Krause mentioned or said, but Jordan did that with everybody though. Jordan did that with the high school kid that cut him, Larry something. He did it with um that rant. Like there's a random story early in he, his career. He did it with Larry Bird and Charles Barkley in the fucking dream team p- p- practice. Yeah, he did it with Isaiah Thomas. Like you know, so also Dan Marley. I'm looking it up. Three time All Star, two time Defensive All Second. Oh, if you watch sure. that guy, could you believe in 91 and 93 he made the <laughs> Well, it's all. the 90s, see. There was a lot of stiffs in the 90s. Not a lot of defense being played, I guess. No, there's a couple highlights that they played tonight of Jordan getting to the rack with like five guys just standing around. And I was like, how did well, this even happen? The best highlight is when, the, when Paul Westfall is screaming at the Suns not to let Jordan beat him. They fl- go to the next highlight. Two guys running at Jordan. He splits them. <laughs> Goes into the lane, gets hacked by Barkley, and still makes the layup. Just incredible. One of those guys was Danny Ainge, who won how many titles with the Celtics? Like this is Danny Ainge is like a great player. Had never yeah. double teamed somebody in his life. Well, not when he was with the Suns, he wasn't a great player. <laughs> yeah, but like in his, Come on, over his over his career, like you would think he would know how to properly double team somebody. He you think like he no. He might know how, but it's nothing unique to be able to do it in 1993. That same, that same series, Jordan, there, there's like 45 seconds left. Or it's a, I think it's game six when Paxson's at three. Like the two possessions before, he just takes the ball out and goes the length of the court. Nobody stops. Yeah, lays like, it in. No 45 defense. Seconds left. Like, <laughs> you think you, you think MJ and Danny Ainge played golf before this finals too, like they oh, did 100%. when he was with the Celtics? <laughs> definitely. In Phoenix, definitely got with Chuck in too. That was also, speaking of golf, that was also a nice little moment where they were like that right after that whole thing with the media, how he's fake driving the bus and then going to play golf. He tells Ron Harper, he's like, all right, Ron, come on, just jump out. And he's like sitting on his lap on the golf cart. That was great. 
Speaking of Ron Harper, real quick to address like three episodes ago, did you guys see Craig Elo came out and and like responded to Ron Harper saying he could play, he wanted to play defense on MJ on that shot that MJ hit over the Cavs? I did not. Oh Oh my gosh. Craig Elo comes out and says, I didn't know Ron Harper was a defensive prowess. That guy never wanted to play defense. (laughs) He didn't say shit about trying to guard MJ. Oh Oh, man. Craig Elo came back. It was amazing. I loved it. That's awesome. Wow. Uh, let's go back to the dream team. So it's, I mean, there's been documentaries done by the dream team. Nothing too new or shattering came out of this. I think you got to see a little bit of behind the scenes, but so I think magic, magic's even shared that story about them egging on Jordan in practices. So it's well, nothing new, but any takeaways from Jordan being on the dream team? My big, my biggest thing was it's a, again, comparing now to back then, those guys again, loved playing practicing with each other but they really wanted to beat each other too so that's why they never ended up teaming up like they that they use the olympic team now to do is finding out who they're going to play with which i find very fascinating good point yep i've got one story about the 92 olympic team so they showed it briefly during the uh, during the thing tonight they had these mcdonald's cups that had the nba players the dream team on them so if you went to mcdonald's you got one had these plastic cups and you'd get different players and for some reason, we like had a few of them. We started like sort of collecting them. And I remember I was like six years old. Son. We got another one. My mom was like, oh, I got another one. You know, I'm excited. At that point, we had like I had like David Robinson, had Larry Bird. And I was looking for MJ, obviously. Mom comes home, Christian Leitner. Can you oh, imagine God. how disappointed I was as a six-year-old? Like, what Christian Leitner was the next one we got. Such a bummer. If you watch for millions, I bet the mom probably had all the Michael Jordan cups. Yeah. Probably. Jerry, probably. Uncle Jerry probably had him stashed <laughs> in the freezer. <laughs> All right, guys. Anything else you guys want to hit on from the past from these last two episodes, two hours tonight? Can I, I just want to do, because we've kind of done winners and losers. I, yeah. wanted, I wanted to hit on a winner that I kind of thought during this episode. It's the Cohiba brand cigars. You know how much <laughs> money they probably made tonight? Because every single time they showed MJ smoking a cigar, it was a Cohiba. So... Shout out to them. They're probably gonna have, their sales are probably gonna continue to skyrocket. How many cigars do you think they showed MJ smoking tonight? I would guess about. Are we counting over- the ones? Are we counting the ones that are sitting next to him on the interview when he's being interviewed? He still next hasn't to smoked one while being interviewed, though, right? <laughs> right, that, but it's sitting there. Happen tonight. It's sitting They're there. Sitting there. Yeah, but I mean, so many clips. My wife was like, "How can he be such a great basketball player when he smoked this many cigars?" Like. Wouldn't you think that would affect, like, the lungs or anything? But uh, evidently it didn't. To go along with that, Miller Lite, another huge winner. Rodman was drinking Miller Lite after the game. Yeah. Scotty and MJ and Harper were drinking Miller Phil, Lite. Phil was drinking MGD after they won one of the championships. <laughs> He'd shout out, holding the can of MGD. I was like, wow. I like that they poured it into the Gatorade cup, too, on that in that little, like, clip. Dude, I think it was Ron Harper who poured it into the Gatorade him cup. And, him and Pippen. Speaking yeah. of Gatorade, don't you guys kind of wish that there was still like the glass bottles yes. of Gatorade? That would be so sweet. Probably wasn't great on, along a basketball court to have glass bottles. Yeah, that's a good point. Sure. <laughs> Loser for me is everyone who had loved the conspiracy theory of MJ quitting basketball to go play baseball because David Stern was going to suspend him for gambling. I think truly what you saw, and this was my biggest takeaway from tonight, was by the end of the 1993 season, he was so worn out by the media, mm-hmm. by being stuck in having to answer the same questions every single night. 
And I truly think he stepped away because he was mentally exhausted and he was ready to be done with basketball. In that classic picture that you see of Michael sitting against the wall with the trophy in like his lap, and he's just like kind of just like staring off in his face, like you could see the exhaustion on him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just when they had that little interview right after they won where he's in that room, oh, he's yeah. sitting on that chair and he's just like, can I just sit here for like 10 more minutes? I just need a like, you can tell he was just physically worn out, mentally worn out. I mean, the guy was caring. Even all those finals games, they showed how many points he scored. Even in the losses, he would be racking up 40 plus point games. So he was not only carrying the team on the court. But then having the media obligations off the court, yeah, he was just totally mentally and physically worn out. And I know he gets, I mean, he's the greatest basketball player to ever play the game of basketball, so he gets all that credit. But I also think one thing he doesn't get credit for is dealing with all of this media attention and paving the way for players now and how to handle it. I mean, think of how LeBron handles the media now. I mean, he's got it arguably even worse because he has social media. He can't, he can't go out anywhere. So he embraces staying at home. Kobe and uh-huh. Kobe was the same way. You, you very rarely, you rarely ever saw Kobe in tabloids out, out Derek Jeter. The If you go across sports, Derek Jeter, very rarely hear anything about him. I mean, he, he really set the example of how to, kind of stay out of the limelight as much as possible while being the biggest star in your sport. Yeah, for sure. I think before we go, one, one winner I want to address is just the Air Jordan, the brand, the shoes. I think that was our first, we got a kind of a close look at what that meant in Jordan's rise, you know, from the Jordan ones and him wearing again when he came back to New York, which looks like it was going to be his last time playing in Madison Square Garden. I think StockX is going to get a big boost here next this week. See how many um, pairs of Jordans are you buying? So I have right now. I have a pair and a pair my wife doesn't know about. And I hope she's not listening to this podcast. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely buy another pair this week. So in between the uh, threes and the fours, I haven't made a decision yet. So hope I, she can't. Hope she can't hear me. The one thing I was kind of upset about that they didn't show during the whole, you know, the shoe and signing with Nike is they never showed Sonny Vaccaro. And he was like a key person in getting, not only getting Jordan to the Nike brand, but then building the Jordan brand within Nike. I don't know if he's still alive. He might not be. So that's I believe he's dead. No, I, I think he's still I alive. He's, alive. Oh, really? he's not with Nike. Yeah, yeah he's, like, yeah. He's they, doing his own thing. They should have given him some love. Like he was but, very. But that goes in back to how they've how they've done everything. This was this was always positioned as a Bulls documentary, and it's very quickly turned into a Michael Jordan documentary. So they should have focused a whole. They could have focused a whole episode on just his endorsements, full hour on on Champ, like you said, coming up through Nike, paving the way of how he's changed sports endorsements and and sports marketing for every single athlete after him. It could have filled an hour plus. Yeah, because sure. he without him, Nike's not what Nike is. They were a cross country track shoe brand. Michael Jordan's How mom, make, Michael Jordan's mom, making him go take a meeting with Nike changed <laughs> Nike's fortune for the rest of their who everybody who worked there. TC, to that point, Derek Rose's mom made her, him go take a meeting with Nike. <laughs> <laughs> How much success of Nike would you put on MJ? Just their total, their total success, not just the Jordan brand. DC. 83%. I was going to say like 90%, man. Yeah, I mean, he. They wanted to sell $3 million of their shoes his third year of his contract. They sold $120 million the first year. That alone is worth so much to the future success of Nike than you could ever believe. 
They'll and own, now those shoes it. go for like two twenty five a pop. They were a hundred. They were hundred eight with tax when they first came out. We're, we were talking about this a little bit right before we started recording, but I think one of the things that Jordan Brand Nike kind of kind of messed up when they signed Tiger Woods. Why you didn't put Tiger Woods and Jordan Brand golf material, golf uh, material, golf athletic clothes? It seemed like a huge, huge opportunity to open up golf to a whole new landscape of people that are buying. But so I thought about that a little bit since you mentioned it earlier, Z, and now that you brought it up, it's because Jordan opened up the door for all these guys to have their individual own brands. The TW brand is probably how they sold Tiger on coming to Nike in the first place. But none of that is possible without Jordan doing it to start. Yep. Yeah. It's true. And it goes back to DC's point. Like he opened the door and showed everybody how to do this. But to to Z's point, he should be in Nike when he's playing golf. Like there's no reason that was a big miss on Nike's part. Yeah. Any other winners or losers, guys? Uh, one big winner is the old school Illinois license plates with the two tray <laughs> on that <laughs> Range Rover at the end. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I really like that. I really, really enjoyed yeah, watching was... that. That was really sweet. I, those that that license plate is iconic. Imagine if you were just Pulling driving out. driving yeah. down the Kennedy and you just see two Trey and a Range Rover come driving by you, tinted a red Range Rover with tinted windows. Another a quick thing about that is they're dri- He's driving to the stadium and Ahmad Rashad is like with him in the car. Did Ahmad just like stay at his house when him he, and he, him and Ahmad are like. Best friends. I know they're really close, but <laughs> Ahmad, I guess when he's doing was doing like national NBC. Oh yeah, he probably just stayed at Jordan's place. You know what's also weird about this? Like Z mentioned, this is a Jordan documentary at this point. We're six episodes in, and we have not met Jordan's actual best friend, which is his driver. Like, where is yeah. that? Where is he? I forget what his name is, but like that's Jordan's legitimately best friend. He started driving him around when he was young, and yeah, like he was he picked him up from get, getting drafted by the Bulls. In the limo, and he was he. They became close friends, and he was his driver after that. Ever since, I don't think you're gonna see him in it because I think Jordan. I think that's an instance where Jordan has final say on who is because he didn't want any of his family. I don't think you see any of his family in all of this either, except for his mom. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you? Th- how do you think they're gonna? Because well, that? the other reason is that his assistant, his personal assistant, is an executive producer on this documentary. Mm. What do you? How do you think they're gonna address what happened to his father? Great question. I have no idea. It's going to be in the it, obviously it's going to be in the next episode. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, I I don't think they're going to delve too deep into it because I don't think MJ is going to want like, you know, why, you're are, do you mean like how he was killed? Is that what you're trying to like every everything? How yeah. how the aftermath like I don't think we're going to get any the, new revelatory information. I'll just I don't yeah, think I don't, so either. I how think it's going to be MJ? I think they'll do the MJ interview cut where it's his side, and then you'll get somebody as like the third party that says, "Like a David These are the things that we talked about." I, you know, that was another loser for me this week, David Aldridge. Like I'm a big David Aldridge fan, but he kind of came off to be kind of a jag off in this these couple episodes. <laughs> like there was a couple, there was a couple instances where he was like kind of bad mouthing MJ and specifically with the gambling, and, and I was like, "All right, David, can you relax, bro?" I've got a loser. Who? It's Justin Timberlake try, like becoming a blowhard tryhard. Like you really had to put you, he probably went to the store right before that, bought the Jordan hat he put on. No, like, he, that's what, he, he uh all his concerts he does he wears Jordans in all his concerts. 
he he was on the Mickey Mouse Club. You think that guy really had to cut grass and buy Jordans? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's it a good just, point. See? He, he yeah. just came up as a tryhard. You know who's a loser in this again? Isaiah Thomas. Is MJ doubled down on kicking him off the dream team? Yeah, that was great. But clearly, MJ was lying too when he was when they were like, "Oh yeah, did you have an influence?" No, no, I didn't. You it was got... everybody. The whole team, no one liked. Everybody him. hated him. Magic own, hated him. Larry hated him. But they probably did. Team. Yeah, with his own coach, like DC said. You don't think Magic said coach. anything about it though? Magic probably hated Isaiah too. Yeah, he. Everybody hated Isaiah. The only people that liked Isaiah were his fucking teammates. All right, I did. Have... I did like Jordan saying that his, the best point guard ever to him is Mike or Magic Johnson, but Isaiah is number two right behind him. I like the fact that he was able to give him credit for his actual abilities, but then just basically just slandered his name all over again because he's a shitty person. I enjoy uh, when people could be like, "I know you're good, but he's a fucking douche." <laughs> we have four hours left. This is kind of the theme of the night for the past two hours today. How much more time do you think we get on the actual 98 season, the rest of these four hours? That that entire Utah series needs to be a full episode. Well, I think it will be. But So there's so an hour. That's, so that's episode then, 10, probably. <laughs> and then the next one, you're probably getting death, baseball, I'm back facts. Yeah, the next two are probably those, those three things. You get Man. the magic series when he gets kicked out, or like when they lose. And then the come up. That's it. Because we also have seventy two and ten. Yep. It, see, there's not enough time. <laughs> we have. They're gonna show. I mean, they uh, they've obviously shown the first three championships, right. so they're gonna show four and five before they get to six. So they did three that's and six episodes. Well, I mean, maybe maybe the big revelation and is that there's gonna be twenty episodes and not ten. Maybe they're fucking pulling they're still us filming. Off. I mean, there's there maybe after the tenth one, they're gonna be like, "Well, y'all thought it was done, but we got ten more coming." I'm just gonna say it: we could have done without the dream team stuff because we've seen it all. Yeah, nothing new from the dream team, but it's the only the it tells a story. It connects the dots to Tony Kukoc. It ha- they had yeah to they had you to couldn't, you could not have the dream team in with although them. I think they did a really shitty job of connecting it like Even, to present date like I was like I got, we didn't ever fast forward to ninety eight with Tony Tony Kukoc we were Tony stuck Kukoc, in ninety two Tony Kukoc great player came like twenty years too soon he'd yeah. be like those highlights he'd be fantastic in the NBA right now mm-hmm. like a yeah. big that can shoot get to the rim handle the like, ball yep tougher than he looks type yeah i think he was such a third banana fourth banana on the that 98 bowl scene but man that guy's the player the one good thing that i did like about the whole tony kukoc aspect is at least they showed that he had a good game in the finals i didn't know that i just thought like then when they played the dream team that they just completely dominated them i knew michael and scotty wanted to go after him and show kraus like we don't need him blah blah, blah. but to show it was good for tony kukoc at least they showed him Having a great, you know, championship game and a thirty-five point loss, but at least he had a nice and game. Six. Yeah, no, I think I think that was like a clip within the game that he had sixteen at that point. I don't know what his final numbers were, but it's nice. To I just it. feel like they needed to connect it back to ninety-eight in some way, shape, or form. It just moved on another thing of Jordan. It moved on to what the what was the next thing after that? It went to his. It went literally to the political stuff from there. You could, have, you could have filled that time with Tony Kukoc's impact on the Bulls. 15 minutes wasted on that political crap. That was so stupid. 
Another subtle winner, Marv Albert. Every game that they're showing, oh. Mar- Marv Albert on the call. With I mean, terrible toupee. Marv Albert, uh, Carl Ravitch, and Chris Fowler. All- Chris Fowler and Carl Ravitch look exactly the same now yeah. as they do in 1998. 90- yeah. They have an age today. I said the same thing. I was like, they look exactly the same. You know what they should also do? Delay Scott Van Pelt's ESPN by two minutes so we can each have a little more time to fucking answer the goddamn trivia <laughs> questions. Yep. <laughs> All right, that's a perfect way to stop. Uh, we'll be back next week to recap the latest two hours of the Michael Jordan mid-90s Bulls, not really 98 season dynasty documentary. Um Champ Jared and I will be back later this week with the Spoko Radio. We might talk a little crute, a little crutin with the Ohio football team. Uh, for Z, Jer, Champ, I'm DC. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Slim. Last <laughs> man. Sometimes I dream that he.